Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. I am literally avoiding this book. I just realized that. Like, if I love a book, you could tell because it, the, the, the content comes out dang there every day. Like, boom, 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 boom. I sat this entire weekend and did whatever I could. I cooked, I played video games, I beat God of War Ragnarok, which is dope. I'm about to start the plus because I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's more. Um, played Spider-Man, uh, picked out some uniforms for my AAU team, talked with my assistant coach, hung out with my son, watched some wrestling, looked at the book again, did homework, um, fell to my wife's butt, uh, laughed at her a bit. For the bad jokes she tried to make, um, looked at the book a bit, did a lab for a class that isn't even really a class, and I don't think I get graded for because I didn't even ask to be added to the class. It's just a lab, but I still did the homework because it was there and there's a due date. Talked with my homegirl Emily from Fuckboys a Lit. Looked at the book a little bit. Read some more of my other book, which is about um, my sociology book, which is about minorities in America. And I already know everything that's in that because I'm a minority in America. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. And we had to watch a video about um, dividing the classroom where white people were taught how it was to feel discriminated against when they were separated from blue eyes and brown eyes. And it only took like 15 minutes before the little white kids were like, that brown eye stinks. And I was like, you must be talking about his asshole. But they weren't. They were talking about white kids with brown eyes and they went outside and fought. They were only in like third grade, fourth grade. It was hilarious. I looked at the book, cooked some food, smoked some meat, made a great uh, beef rib uh, over arabata sauce. Um, over polenta, um, turned into an excellent meat sauce, like smoked the beef ribs, sous vide them, smoked them, made the, the, the meat sauce perfectly from pillar to post, might put out a video, looked at the book a bit, complained to my wife about the book, said if the book doesn't get good within the next five chapters, I can't quit because I got to finish reading the book to y'all. I can't just quit books for no reason. I mean, I know we quit that other book about um, pussy worth more than diamonds, but there was a reason for that. I can't just quit a book, but I'm going to keep walking around the book. I'm going to keep looking at the book from a distance, like hopefully you're going to change. 
I'm on chapter three. Like I'm not even on chapter 20. I'm on chapter three. There's only 19 chapters in this book. Every single chapter takes an hour. My Kindle keeps lying to me. It says every chapter is 17 minutes long. That's fucked up. I keep hoping for something different and I don't get it. Complain to my wife about that. Played more God of War. Show my wife that uh, Far Cry 6's map was huge on the PlayStation 5. Kiss my PlayStation 5. Looked at the book a little bit. And now I'm here. So please, if you've ever wanted to donate to the show, now's the fucking time. Because I really deserve it. This book is ass crack. It is butt cheek LaFleur. And my wife suggested it. This is literally all my wife's fault. I just want to make sure that that's crystal clear. My beloved wife read six pages and came home like, you got to get on this shit. See, I'm, 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 I'm doing that so I don't have to actually get into the book. Chapter three. Messiah sat in VIP at After Hours. The nightclub was filled to capacity, but his eyes were glued on one woman, Morgan. She was putting on a show. His temple throbbed as she swung her long braids and her hips rolled to the beat. Gone was a couture, model look she had donned earlier. She was a vixen, one that knew she had every man in the club ogling her. Oh, so now that she's 18. Okay. There was a party going on all around him. Shayna and her friends mingled with his people, popping bottles of champagne, but Messiah's mood had been spoiled. The sight of Morgan half-dressed, garnering the attention of every dude in the building, had him ready to dead something without thinking twice. He told himself it was out of loyalty to ethic. She wasn't supposed to be out there shaking her ass. He was just being a good soldier, right? Or was it something more? Did the disdain spark from the image of her showing off something that he wanted her to keep a secret? Her beauty was hard to miss, even without her accentuating it. She tried so hard, with tons of makeup and false lashes, but Messiah noticed it most when she was out of her element, like when he popped up at her crib to return her car. Nights like this one, she was too obvious, too loose, and he clenched his jaw in irritation as he saw her bend slightly in front of his adversaries while working her derriere with expertise. Her derriere. Clown nigga on the dance floor freaking off. He lucky out on Robin's bitch ass, Messiah thought. So is this going to be another murder situation? You know, murder lusting over a young girl. Hella, hella, hella young. This, look. You're acting real funny tonight, Shayna said as she sat beside him and extended the blunt she was smoking to him. He pushed her hand away. Fuck out of here, he dismissed. Her eyes followed his to the dance floor and she popped her lips. I am not saying that word. I will never, I don't care. Like there's a lot of books where I'll just be like, fuck it. And I'll read words that might, you know, wouldn't be my words or whatever. But I'm not going to read words that, okay, let me just make this clear. Again, for the folks in the cheap seats. Book is written by a woman. So before you start thinking I'm making fun of a man or coming down on a man, I'm not. The lady wrote this. Um, not going to read the word, not going to claim the word, not going to utilize the word retarded. Not going to do it. Developmentally delayed folks have done nothing to y'all motherfuckers. And really, in the Lord's year, 
2023, my nigga, y'all should not still be utilizing that word to put people down. You shouldn't. There's a million different things you could do. You literally have a smartphone that'll give you synonyms for words, whether you want it or not. So for you to still be using the word retarded really means that your vocal is limited as fuck. Your vocabulary is awful. And I'm not going to do it. That's like calling somebody deaf dumb. That You don't do it. Like, how are you so progressive in this book when talking about a deaf person and you're still calling her retarded? Is a Uchiwala or is a one mic? Are we showing respect or are we just building a scene? What are we doing here? I thought you were actually advocating and working with deaf people, the deaf culture. I thought you were actually going to do something, but no. And Shayna wouldn't be calling her retarded anyway, just because off one look, she she don't know what's going on. Messiah ain't messing with this girl. You know, Morgan, not Shayna. So Shayna wouldn't off one look be like, oh, he likes her. She just turned 18. I doubt she has that feeling. I'm not reading that word. Oh, that bitch is the reason you're over here sour face? She's shot. Fuck you just say? He asked as his face screwed in disgust. He never lost his cool, but she saw the blaze in his eyes. He gripped her by the elbow and grabbed an open bottle of ace from the ice bucket. He poured it all over her as he pulled her roughly through a section before tossing her outside of the velvet ropes. That's dramatic. For somebody who literally was at your house a few days ago, that's pushing it to the limit. Throw her ass out, he told his two goons, who secured his section, making sure only those he invited entered his space. He had caused a scene, and Shayna was laughed out the club as she shouted, Fuck you, Messiah! You good, G? Messiah looked at his best friend, Issa. Is it Issa or is it Issa? Because it's I-S-A. I feel like Issa is a lady's name. And it's solely because of Issa Rae. I'm not going to lie to you, but also because this one is spelled I-S-A and the other one is I-S-S-A. And Idris Elba is spelled with an I. The fuck are you talking about? Idris Elba has nothing to do with Issa. But the I sounding like an E is what I'm focused on. Is that not what Oh, no. I was just like caught up in the name, like the connection, the correlation between her name and this name. I wasn't thinking about the I sounding like an E. I, that is logical. I like logic. I will go with logic. Messiah looked at his best friend, Issa. I'm solid. Bitch just in here talking reckless. Pour up, Messiah said. In all the years I've known you, nigga, you're never down to drink around a crowd. What happened to all that holistic shit my nigga ethic be putting in your head? Sober mind, sober body and all that shit, Issa said. Messiah reached for another bottle of champagne and tilted it towards his mouth. It's needed tonight. Trust. The way I feel, I might blow a nigga's head off. She's just having fun, bruh. She playing with these niggas in here. She knows she got it. These thirsty motherfuckers in here puppets on her string, Issa said. He had never known Messiah to invest his energy into any woman, let alone one as young as Morgan. But the jealousy to dance in Messiah's eyes were a dead giveaway to things he wouldn't dare say. Messiah wanted to deny what Issa was insinuating, but he wasn't the type to spread falsehoods, so he opted to take another gulp of the liquor instead. 
The mood lighting in the club made the way Morgan was moving her body even more sensual. Emma Sai's chest was tight as her dancing partner's hands roamed her. His section wasn't short of groupies. There were always women hanging around, willing to do whatever to be chosen for the night. Masai usually didn't fall for the trap, but he needed leverage, or at the very least, someone to take his mind off Morgan. She was a forbidden fruit. Not only was she young, she was ethics, pride, and joy. I can't even say young anymore. These niggas ruin young. Did you hear that? I said not only was she young, I can't do it. Can't fucking do it. It's all your fault, Jaquavis and Ashley. Ugh, these young kids out here. Now I just sound stupid. People are gonna be looking at me like you must have read the cartel. I gotta fix that. Not only was she young, she was ethics, pride, and joy. Getting involved with her would be teetering on disrespect, and Messiah knew how ethic handled impertinence. Messiah feared no one, but he wasn't looking to offend a living legend either. He valued the guidance ethics so graciously offered. He turned his back to the dance floor, opting to appreciate the random beauty that was vying hard for his attention. Morgan was the life of the party. The ecstasy in her system made her feel like she was flying. She was loose, wild, and the free feeling she had chased most of her life was finally hers. She appreciated it, even if it was only temporary. Her hurt feelings were replaced with confidence and a sensuality that she had never felt before. Why trip over the interest of one man when she had the eyes of many? As Morgan danced off beat, she felt him watching. She wanted him to see how many men wanted her, how she could have her pick of them. How dare he bring someone else to my party and act like I'm invisible, like I'm a kid. I'm a grown woman and he won't notice it until someone else has me, she thought. A sheer sheen of sweat covered her body, causing the thin fabric of her short dress to cling to her. Her top nipples were visible through the dress. She was on fire and she liked it. From the feeling of the guy behind her, she could tell he did too. And from the look on Messiah's face, she had accomplished her mission. I mean, if I'm the guy behind her and she's dancing off beat and I don't know she's deaf, I might try and help her get on the beat. Because dancing off beat is like impossible for me as a black man. I can't even fuck off beat. I hear music and all of a sudden my body just hits that groove. Just, mm, mm. Which is why white folks fuck the country music. My bad. Damn, you just out here fucking shit up, huh? Niche yelled over the loud music. The song ended and Niche handed Morgan another drink. Last call. Morgan took the glass and tossed the shot back, frowning, as she felt the shot of liquor burn her throat all the way down. Yeah, that's redundant. You and your homegirl want to grab food afterwards? The guy hugged her from behind, whispering the words into the crevice of her neck, not knowing that Morgan couldn't hear him. She eased out of his grip to walk away, but he pulled her back. She turned to see his lips. You leaving with me? He asked. He wanted the trophy. She could see it in his eyes. He wanted to be the one to take Benjamin Atkins' daughter home. She knew what that felt like, to want to win the prize. She had competed for her father's affection when her sister, Raven, was alive. When she was little, she competed for affection with Ethic because, biologically, she wasn't his, and he couldn't possibly love her as much as he did his own children, no matter how much he assured her otherwise. Right? Tonight, she competed against every other woman in the club that wanted the upcoming king of the city, 
Messiah. She competed for him, and still, he acted as though she didn't exist. She glanced in Messiah's direction, noticing that he was headed for the door with the girl flanking, stumbling, not too far behind. Her envy made her agree. He was leaving with someone, so she would too. She was the master at tit for tat. She nodded as the guy grabbed her hand and led her out the club. The parking lot was an after party and the real reason why people showed up to the hole in the wall at all. Inside the club, it was too dark to truly size up the opposition. Under the shining streetlights where the real from the fake was discerned. Diamonds and rims, foreigns and Chevys, it was all on full display as partiers hung out on the hoods of cars, still pouring, still sipping, still enjoying the high of the night. This was Flint. This was the life. A Saturday night on the strip of Cleo Road, and she was headed to the car of a big fish. Lucas. He wasn't as major as Messiah, but he was getting money and was a respectable catch. While she was jealous of the girl on Messiah's arm, there were plenty of women envying her as she climbed to the passenger side of Lucas's black Cadillac Escalade. Messiah got on his Kawasaki Ninja. The Eve St. Laurent motorcycle jacket he wore made him look like he was a model instead of an actual rider. He handed the girl he was with a helmet as he pushed his own down over his head. Issa mounted the bike next to Messiah's as the rest of their crew prepared to ride behind them. They weren't a gang, but it was rare that she caught Messiah without his shooters. So, the girl that he threw out the club, he picked up another one that quick? Like, she, I don't know. I don't know what their relationship was, but that was really quick. I don't know. Okay. These dudes be like, lose a hoe, gain a hoe, like, every five minutes, though, so I guess. You ain't gonna put a stop to that? Issa asked. He nodded towards the Escalade. She choosing. Ain't my business, Messiah said arrogantly as he revved his engine loudly while the random girl wrapped her arms around his waist. He sped out of the parking lot, started a chain reaction as Issa and the rest of their team whipped out behind him. The fun ended for Morgan when she saw Messiah leave. Suddenly, her interest in leaving with Lucas waned. Messiah had brought her down, and suddenly she felt the urge to go home and cry face down on the pillow. He was always around always moving and shaking in the same place she liked to frequent. It was torture being around what she knew she couldn't have. Now that he was no longer paying attention, she wished she had gone home instead. She turned to the back seat where Nietzsche was cozied up with one of Lucas's friends. Morgan was too young to know the power of the feeling that was filling her gut. It was instinct, telling her to get out the car, but she was already fighting so many misconceptions. She was just trying to be down. She knew if she messed up the floor of the night, they would think she was lame or childish. They pulled out of the parking lot, and despite her nagging gut ringing an alarm, she went anyway. This pressure she felt in her chest had made her hard to breathe, hard to swallow. It told her she was different from everyone around her, and she just wanted to be the same. So she stayed silent as Lucas placed a hand on her thigh, inching his fingers up towards the place between her legs they drove. She tensed and he slipped her a pill. You need to relax, he said. She knew it was ecstasy. She wasn't a stranger to the euphoric feeling it provided, and if she was gonna go through with this, she would need help. She knew Lucas's expectation of her, and it was way too late to say no, it's never too late. I know that's common sense.
and I shouldn't be saying it, but you never know. One of your kids might be listening to this shit because y'all parents ain't parenting good. My kids listen to this shit. I don't parent good. I, I just I play my shit in the car with them. But I mean, they're fucking 15 and, 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 and older. Like, these niggas. So, my son ripped off such a great combination of cuss words one or, or, or a couple days ago that I wasn't even mad. I was just like, that's my nigga. He finally got it. I was looking at him like the way Mr. Miyagi was looking at Daniel-san when he finally learned how to do the crane kick. Like, mm-hmm. You're the best around. I mean, he had cuss words and euphemisms and 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 just arrogance and anger, and it was perfect. The fuck you doing, my nigga? You ain't even supposed to be over there. Move, nigga. You supposed to be over here. Move your fucking ass, nigga. That's my nigga. He did that. So proud. Fifteen. Fuck y'all niggas. Y'all niggas cuss too. So proud. Fifteen. Fifteen. <sighs> she took the pill. Grabbing the, but your kids shouldn't be listening to this shit. She took the pill. Because your kids don't cuss. She took the pill. If I cuss, how the fuck can I expect my kids to cuss? Like, nigga, if you cuss around your five-year-old, if you cuss around your baby... Guess what they're gonna learn? How to talk. Like, who really made the rules on cussing anyway? Who decided that the word fuck was a bad word? It was probably a white person. Probably grew up to be a Karen. Like a Karen of like the 1500s, pointing out people to the Duke and Duchess and shit. Hmm. She took the pill, grabbing the bottle of vodka that was being passed around the car to rinse it down with. Ugh. Uh, vodka uh, uh, vodka and gin uh, so many other better options vodka and gin if you drink vodka or you drink gin you're on your way to being an alcoholic you don't even want nothing to mask that flavor you just want alcohol because that's what it tastes like when you run out of everything else and so you grab a bottle of rubbing alcohol and try and drink that that's because you've been drinking gin and vodka I said it. It took only minutes to take effect, and she felt the indecision leaving her as they pulled into a motel. Not even a hotel. They pulled into a motel. The Holiday Inn. Because if your girl ain't putting out, then you take her friend. I said, dip, die, what do I say? I don't think the niggas like OJ, but we stand behind him because of Black History Month, and we know that he didn't kill. You know what? I'm not even going to finish that because I only word that could have rhymed with that would have been derisive and I don't really like it even though when British people say cunt it sounds fucking magical y'all need to watch uh, the gentleman cause they it just flows out of their mouths also did you know that Jax from fucking uh, Sons of Anarchy is he British cause he was on that movie and he had a great British accent and I walked around the book and I walked around the book and I walked around the book I thought we were getting food, she signed as she turned to face Niche. Relax, we can order something, Niche signed back. Y'all talking shit about us right in our face, huh? Lucas asked with a smile. Nah, just little girl talk, Niche answered. Relax, these niggas are a big deal, bitch, she signed. Morgan and Niche weren't impressed by the same things. 
Niche was chasing material things that could be bought and sold, which in turn meant she was up for sale, willing to rent her body out to the highest bidder. Bars. Bars. Savage bars. Like, yo, that might be the best thing I've ever seen her write. And I've read like nine of her books. I don't know if it's true. I don't know if that's the way it works. I just know that those words flowed well together in a way that affect the back of my cerebral cortex. And so I felt inclined to say bars, maybe even message, but mostly bars. Morgan was chasing a feeling, a feeling of unconditional love, acceptance, appreciation for her uniqueness. She knew before she stepped across the threshold of the seedy motel room that Lucas couldn't give her that, but she wasn't looking to spoil anyone's fun. I wouldn't go to a motel for nothing. You know, we used to try and throw parties at the Motel 6 and wonder why only four people showed up. Who the fuck wants to go on to one of them nests? Now that I'm an adult, I look, you gotta be shitting me. I'll sleep in my car. I will not, if I can help it, sleep at a motel with a number underneath it. Motel, first of all, fuck you. But if it has a number under it, Motel 6, Motel 8, Motel 9, Motel everybody. I don't care. I ain't sleeping there. I also don't sleep in places with cutesy ass names. Do drop in. Sleepy time in where time is spelled T-Y-M-E. Those places feel like they're owned by white people who are axe murderers. And have cameras in the bathroom. Be looking at your girl's twat while she pissing. Also, I felt like saying twat because it's been a really long time since I said twat. Twat's wrong with that. <laughs> Coochie. Double up. Coochie. Double up. Got about and, and, and nigga saw it up. He doesn't say coochie. Who knew? You fell for that. You fell for that. You said no. And then I got to say who knew. Coochie. Circling the book, circling the book, circling the book. <laughs> Morgan got out the truck and followed everyone inside. The stale scent of tobacco filled the dated room. Morgan poured herself another shot, taking it to the head, the burn giving her confidence as Lucas pulled her down onto his lap. You're sexy as fuck, he growled as he leaned back on the bed, his elbow supporting her. Nisha ain't gonna tell her she's deaf. Where, where your homegirl at? Hey, homie, you're going to want to stop talking into her neck because she's literally deaf. He tried to pull back, but he pulled her down with him, her dress riding up, exposing her thong as Niche pulled out her phone. He was attractive, but he wasn't Messiah, and she wasn't feeling how hard he was going. Chill, she signed. Slow down. What'd she say? He asked as he looked at Niche. She said she wants you to fuck her. Niche said belligerently as she stuck out her tongue and turned the camera towards herself so she could show off for her viewers on social media. Fuck Niche. Niche is an asshole. That's fucked up. And that's not an ally. Right there. Somebody you can know your whole life can do some fuck shit like that to you. They are not your friend. And y'all are walking paths where you think your homies are down for you and you think that they're going to support you when you're not paying attention to the conversation and they're setting you up for the downfall. God, Niche. I, oh my God, you're the only person in this book that I thought was going to be okay besides Morgan. 
Why the fuck would you do that? I'm live right now and my baby Mo about to get that cherry pop, she bragged. The guy she was with leaned into her video. What about your cherry? He asked. They were visibly high as he stuck his tongue down Nisha's throat. You gotta pay to play over here, Nisha responded. You ain't said nothing, the guy responded as he flashed a money roll for the camera. Again, for real, I'm not using that word. This nigga about to hit that deaf pussy, the guy said. That shit look fat from the back though. He took Nisha's phone and turned it back to Morgan as Nisha laughed at the joke. Messiah gonna pull up. He gonna see this shit on video and and cause it's live and pull up. And I hope he shoot Nisha too. I'm hella disappointed. Like this ain't cool. Also, baby, remember, your voice does not reach here cause it's low and sultry and all that shit. So you gotta use your I'm talking to my kids voice when you're all the way over there talking into this. He took Nisha's phone and turned it back to Morgan as Nisha laughed at the joke. Morgan pulled away. Stop. It's not happening tonight, she signed as she climbed off him, pulling down the thin fabric that barely covered her behind. She turned to Nisha and noticed her laughing. This nigga too thirsty, Morgan signed. You ready to go? Morgan frowned as she pushed Nisha's phone out of her face. Nisha, relax, baby, Lucas said as she sat up and pulled her back onto the bed. I'm guessing that that's how that... That wasn't a typo? Yeah, okay. You scared of the dick? Morgan pushed him hard this time and headed for the door. She snatched it open, but the weight of his body behind her forced it closed. It was times like this that her voice was needed, when she had to be able to say stop or no. Nisha's look of amusement told her that they weren't taking her seriously. She just wanted to leave. She wanted to get out of this room and away from this man. She grimaced as he pressed his erection into her. She felt dirty as her face pressed against the wood door. She struggled against him, but he was too heavy and too burly. She wasn't getting loose until he let her. She could feel his lips on the back of her neck. They were moving, but she couldn't make out what he was saying. I don't want this, she thought, as tears of disbelief clouded her vision. His tongue felt like a snake on her skin, and his callous hands pulled her thong to the side. Fucking friend is right there. I fucking hate and letting this happen. I fucking hate Ashley. I fucking hate Jaquavis. This is some bullshit. Why the fuck do y'all do this in every goddamn book? If these are real life situations that happen. Unfortunately, yeah. And that's my privilege in saying, why the fuck do y'all let this happen? It does happen in real life. God damn it. Too many times. And a lot of people don't speak it. And unfortunately, in Morgan's case, she is afraid to use her voice. She can speak, but she doesn't like the way that she sounds because of how she was made fun of in elementary school and so she has chosen that she can't use her voice at all and that sucks because I'm sure you've been learning that in your uh, class mm -hmm. about 
those type of things happening and how um, they get silenced because of how they are um, abused by the hearing community. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. Her body went limp when he broke into her. This is a burglary. He was taking her, and she couldn't help but think she was partly to blame. She felt him break her hymen, and tears came to her eyes as she struggled against the weight of him. She had started this. This is young thinking. This this is young thoughts. Okay. I mean, she's wrong, but this is young thoughts. She had started this. With the seduction in the club, the dancing, all to make Messiah jealous. She had ignited a fire she could not put out, faked interest when there was none, and she had ignored that feeling, that alarm that had told her to get out of his fucking truck. Her mind screamed, no. She had never done this before, and there was no delicate approach. This was an attack. He ran inside of her, and when she closed her eyes, she felt tears wet her cheeks. He was ripping her in half, proving a point that he was defiling Benny Atkins' daughter. Please stop. Just let it be over, she thought. The fact that he wasn't wearing a condom made her skin crawl. There was nothing she could do but take it. And when he was done, she crumpled to the floor. Morgan? Nish called, her laughter waning when she finally realized that Morgan was crying. Lucas waved her off. She'll be alright. Come here, you up next. Bro, go get in that. Shit's amazing, Lucas bragged. Nish cut off the camera and looked back at Morgan. She was visibly shaking. The decision to be uncool and check on her friend was overridden by her desire to be down. Nish wasn't like Morgan. She didn't come from a family that was well known. She had to suck and fuck her way to the top just like every other little ghetto girl in the city. That was her mentality. Sad as it may be, good sex is all she was known for and she was okay with that. If she put it on Lucas and his homeboy the right way, she knew they would throw her a few dollars. And if they bragged on how good she was, every baller in the city would come sniffing for a taste. It wasn't hooking. It was just the game. Morgan had never had to play it. That's why she was devastated. What did she think would happen? You don't come to the motel at 2 in the morning unless you're trying to fuck, Nish thought. I told you, she's good. Now come here, Lucas said, roughly pulling Nish onto his hardness as he licked his lips. He was rolling on the e-pills he had taken. It had him ravenous, and Nish was desperately trying to be chosen. You got something stronger than weed? I'm rolling, but my high coming down, she said. I get nasty when I feel good, Nish teased. You get nasty, huh? Lucas questioned, intrigued. Walk with me to the car. I got a little something. Morgan reached for Nish as they passed her, but Nish shook her off. Nish knelt in front of Morgan. Relax. My turn. Have a drink. Have some fun for once, Nish said. I'll be back. Homie will entertain you. Morgan struggled to her feet. Her legs felt like they would give out at any moment. Devastation and anger flooded her. She could see the lust in this random guy's eyes as he approached her. Was this rape? Was she giving off vibes that this was okay? She didn't want this. This wasn't how her night was supposed to turn out. Morgan didn't know what she had done to invite this violation. Was dancing in the club and barely their clothing the signs that had given these men the green light to have their way with her? 
If that were the case, she wouldn't dare do it again. The attention, the spotlight, feeling sexy, chasing maturity, none of it was worth the humiliation she felt now. Suddenly, she just wanted to go home. She wanted to be the girl complaining from her locked room. She yearned for ethics over protectiveness. If she had listened to him, she would have never been in this situation. A million regrets ran through her mind as she was swarmed with confusion. Her head was spinning. She was nauseous, and the fear that she would have to endure another body inside of her made the contents of her stomach come flying out. Damn, bitch, you throwing up on my shoes and shit, the guy said. He pushed her hard to the floor, disgusted as he stepped around her vomit. She scrambled for the door as she pulled down on her dress, wishing it had a little more fabric to cover her ass. She had never felt less exposed than she did now. The wetness between her legs disgusted her. Remnants of Lucas were leaking out of her, and it wasn't until that moment she realized he hadn't even used a condom. Wait, what? Uh, um, no. No. Wait. There it is, the page before. The fact that he wasn't wearing a condom made her skin crawl. This is what happens when you stop writing and you take a break and you forget all what you wrote before, I guess. I, I don't know. Where are you going, huh? He asked. He pulled her by the hair so roughly that she felt him ripping the braids from her scalp. She grimaced as he flung her on the bed. Turn around, he growled as he flipped her roughly. Morgan tried to crawl to the other side of the bed, but the guy caught an ankle and pulled her towards him, spreading her legs wide as he put his weight on her back, pinning her. She had never been so scared. The room spun as she clawed at the dirty sheets beneath her. She needed to brace herself. She felt him hanging between her legs. She went crazy, flopping her body wildly to try and stop him from entering her. The guy put a forearm to the back of her neck and stuffed her face into the mattress. Her lungs screamed for air. The more she fought, the harder he pushed. She couldn't breathe. She tried to sip the air, whatever relief she could find, but he had her head pressed so firmly that she knew he had no problem killing her. Stop fighting, bitch! He grew frustrated by her lack of cooperation and was too caught up in his assault to realize she couldn't hear his command. He punched her in the back of the head and Morgan saw flashes of white as her head rang from the blow. She stopped moving, stopped resisting, because if she didn't, she knew she wouldn't make it out the room. His weight eased slightly and she was able to gulp in air. She screamed in agony as he ran himself into her. It was different than what Lucas had done. This man was taking her anally and without any lubrication. She howled. The pain was so great that she couldn't stand it, but she had no choice but to endure it. She was grateful when she felt him pull out and empty his seeds onto her back. There's that word again. Deaf bitch, he stated, as he hocked up a glob of spit and marred her body with more of his fluids. And yes, I want y'all to recognize that I'm saying deaf, knowing that they don't know she's deaf because they're stupid. But I'm not saying the word retarded, even in the midst of this awful chapter. I'm not saying it. as he hawked up a gob of spit and marred her body with more of his fluids before buckling his pants and fleeing from the room. 
She rushed into the bathroom and closed the door, locking it behind her. She had lost control and she covered her mouth to stifle her cries as she sobbed uncontrollably. She was too afraid to step out into the room. She desperately hoped Nish came back for her. How could she just watch, Morgan thought. She didn't know if they were coming back for more, but she would barricade herself in the bathroom until housekeeping came in the morning. Yo, bruh, you might want to look at this, Issa said as he slid his iPhone across the table. Told you so. Messiah took his arm from around the young lady he was entertaining and frowning as he picked it up. When his eyes landed on the video on the screen, fire coursed through his vein. This live? He asked, his jaw clenching in anger. Yeah, man, Issa said. That little bitch niece streaming that shit on IG. Messiah's heart settled in his stomach as he watched Morgan fight against Lucas in the video. It was obvious that she wasn't a willing participant. Even if she was, Messiah would have acted the same. He heard Nish and another voice making insulting jokes as they witnessed Morgan struggle, but did nothing to help. Social media revealed all, and he took note of the location before he stood to his feet. I'm right behind you, Issa said, already aware that they were about to get into some gunplay. I got it, Messiah shouted over his shoulder. He pushed open the door to the diner with so much force that he cracked it. He hopped on his bike, feeling nothing but pure rage before speeding off. He was across town in less than 10 minutes. Messiah didn't know how he had gotten so emotionally invested in Morgan, but he hadn't been able to take his mind off her since the night at the falls. Most girls oversold themselves. They made promises and talked too much, but Morgan just existed. He felt everything she thought she couldn't convey, just by the way she looked at him. It was like she pleaded with him to hear her, and he did. He just couldn't reciprocate. It wouldn't be right. The two of them didn't make sense, but to see someone hurt her and put it out for the world to see, that put him in the mood for murder. Messiah was best avoided when he was in this state of mind. Men had lost their lives for less. He wanted to be angry at Morgan for putting herself in such a precarious position, but all he could think about was getting to her. What she had endured was punishment enough, the embarrassment, the violation. He knew that she would have to walk around their small city with even more judgment than she had on her before. Walking in her shoes couldn't be easy. He knew it. He walked into the office. Lucas Hill's room. I need the key and I need the number, Messiah said as he placed a small knot of $100 bills wrapped in a rubber band on the countertop. Flint was a city where everybody knew everybody. He and Lucas had been longtime rivals for years. Messiah was always one step ahead of Lucas, and it had resulted in jealousy that had compounded like interest on a loan. I should have snatched her out the club when I saw her dancing on this nigga, Messiah thought feeling as though he was that part to blame for the way that the night had turned out. The old white woman at the desk pulled on her Newport, expertly balancing the long ash that had burned out on the end. She blew the smoke toward the ceiling and she slid the money into her pocket. She didn't say a word as she slid him a key card and held up seven fingers. Messiah rushed out, heading towards the door. He drew his pistol and then slid the key into the door. The room was empty. The only sign that anyone had ever been there at all was the crumpled sheets and the empty liquor bottles that were left behind. Fuck, he whispered. He pulled out his phone and shot a text to Morgan. Where are you? The buzzing sound drew his attention towards a purse that was tossed on the floor. 
Soft whimpers could be heard through the bathroom door and he rushed to open it. Morgan, open the door. It's Messiah, he said. Authority and worry laced his tone. It took him a second to register that she couldn't hear him. He stepped back in frustration and lifted a weak-colored Timberland boot as he kicked the door, springing it open. What if she was right behind the door? Just beep, beep, right to the face. The look of terror on her tear-stained face, she looked up at him, tore through him. When she realized who he was, she rushed into his arms, crying hysterically. Messiah bit into the side of his jaw as his teeth clenched and he held onto her tightly. Every tear she shed was like tiny rocks dinging in his chest. Trying to break through the wall, trying to expose how much he cared, he held her firmly as he let his body sink to the dirty floor. The murderous thoughts that ran through his mind caused his chest to heave up and down as he rocked her back and forth. Shh, it's okay, he whispered. I got you. He told himself that he was there because Morgan was like a sister, like family, but what he was feeling was more than that. It was territorial, as if Lucas should have known better than to lay hands on someone he coveted so dearly. They sat like that for over an hour, until she had cried it all out. You know you could have went back outside. If it's room seven, then it's out. It's on the ground floor. You probably would have saw Nish and Lucas and his dude out there in the car doing cocaine or whatever it could have been. You could have murdered them right then. Blop, blop, blop. Could have murdered all three of them. I know that you were, you know, primary focus, getting to Morgan, making sure she's okay, and I feel that. I'd be that same way. But as soon as I knew she was okay, I would have been like, I'll be right back. Pop, pop, pop. Why do you, you need to speak up, but why do you not think so? Because the whole part, or even during this time, his focus was Morgan and making sure that she was okay. Mm-hmm. Even when he got there and he didn't see, you know, because it said he didn't see anybody in the room. So clearly they probably cleared out because. He would have seen them as he was pulling up. It said 10 minutes. It said it took him 10 minutes to get across town, but if... He saw the live video on Instagram. It wasn't like it was, you know... But the live video that he saw was of Morgan and the first guy. Uh Uh-huh. And Lucas. Yes. And so, from that... She had stopped filming and had went outside with him, mm-hmm. and she got attacked by the other guy. Yes, to the point where she felt like she was gonna. So there's more time that had lapsed. No, see, okay, I see what you're saying, but this the same as when Mecca got the money and Le- and Lena. Mm-hmm. The timelines don't add up. You're absolutely right. If she did an Instagram live video and stopped it after, you know, Lucas raped Morgan and they went outside to get something out the car and then the other dude assaulted her. He left while he was watching that live video. He left out the diner. 10 minutes down the road to get there. The other dude should have still been in the room with her. So that's what I'm saying. The fact that it took him 10 minutes to get across town, but she doesn't say how long it took him to get wherever else, to get from where he was 
So to get from, let's say, Elk Grove to North Sac, 10 minutes. But it didn't say to get to the destination. But we have to imply what is given in this book. She would have, you know, there were... I mean, clearly not. Because when he got there, she had already been assaulted twice. And she had herself barricaded in the bathroom. So that's more time that had lapsed. And I I just don't, to me, knowing that he saw this video, if he had saw him on the way in there, he would have addressed him and then went to Morgan. He would have addressed him, found out from him where the fuck she was, and then he would have went and dealt with her. But I just don't think that they crossed paths at any point. I just can't see, especially if he was very mad and in a rage. No, he's not just going to walk by him or his people or whoever he was with to go find her. If he sees him, oh, he's going to handle him and then he's going to take care of her. But the fact that he just went straight to where she was thinking that they were all still in the room seeing nobody was there so now it's like okay they're not here where is she at I feel you and when he got there she was so broken he's not gonna just oh okay I'm glad you know you're safe and then just dip out no he's like now he's like in caretaker so so God willing and the Lord supporting this would never happen to you or our daughters or anything like that. But if it did happen and I pulled up and I was like, okay, you're good. You wouldn't want me to go out there and murder them niggas immediately. I don't think that it would even happen like that for you. I get what you're saying. But in that moment, your focus would shift on to really comforting you to and make sure you were okay. They would be so broken. <sighs> he should have rode with Issa. Issa could have murdered them while he was comforting her. Well, Issa said he... And he said I'm down the ride. Up, yeah. So, Issa has to be somewhere in the mix. No, Issa, he left him at the diner. But I'm sure that he's gonna... Oh, yeah. This is gonna probably fuel the rest of the book, which means business is about to pick up, which is great. But still, I, this feels like in, in, in movies, they call it fridging people. Um, the woman, something has to happen to the woman mm-hmm. as an impetus for the storyline to be pushed along. Something has to happen to the woman and then the man finds her and is furious and then war breaks out. When Ethic finds out what happens, he has to go back to his old ways and all of a sudden he has a, you know, become a gangster and Messiah is mad at these guys and all that kind of stuff. I'm just sick of situations where they feel like they have to fridge a woman. And also, it's only three chapters into the book. Like, it it just feels like, after reading these other books from them, it feels like they're doing the same thing again. Because everything that happened to Breeze was to push Zaire forward. And, and, and same for me and more pushing uh, Carter forward and all that kind of stuff. I just want them to go in a different direction. She's writing this book by herself, but it feels like she's writing it with him still standing over her shoulder. And I'm hoping it doesn't go that way. But it has to go that way because you literally sexually assaulted her. 
and like you literally assaulted her if they don't die something is wrong with that picture if war doesn't break out something is wrong with that picture if Nish doesn't die something is wrong with this picture Nish is going to show back up somewhere down the line and be like I'm sorry I didn't even mean to and then they're going to be like bitch I don't want to see you no more something like that but Lucas and his homeboy who are unnamed have to die right yeah no I, I agree they have to get dealt with the street way for sure but I'm saying and like I, the. I doubt he's I mean I would I would hope that he would take her to a hospital where she could get oh no remember remember cartel rules we don't believe in hospitals we don't talk about health care <laughs> no 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 we don't talk about health care I hope <coughs> that they ain't going to the police then let's see I mean probably right but I mean you can't just take her home like that they sat like that for over an hour until she had cried it all out she stood to her feet wiping her nose with the back of her hand he stood as well he stared at her his concern apparent let me take you home, he said. I can't go home, she signed. He got the gist of it. Her disheveled appearance, her puffy eyes. It'll be a dead giveaway to something that gone horribly wrong. I'll take you somewhere, he said. She nodded and gathered her purse before he grabbed her hand and led her outside. Morgan rested her face on his back as she climbed on the back of his bike. He could still feel her shaking as she wrapped her arms around his waist. He shook his head as he kicked off the stand and revved the engine before taking off into the night. He doesn't have to ask. He knows she got sexually assaulted. He saw the video. Literally. Wait. The motherfucker went live on Instagram and filmed a sexual assault. That's a crime. You're going to tell me that nobody who's watching that video is going to care? Nobody? Okay. I'm suspending all belief for this because I, this is stupid. Morgan closed her eyes as the cool wind chilled her, and she hugged him even tighter. He was an instant remedy for her affliction. She secretly wondered if she had caused all this just to get this type of attention from Messiah. Her tears were silenced, unforced. They just kept coming, sliding down her face, wetting the back of his leather jacket, causing her skin to stick to it slightly. Everything blew by them in a blur. The speed and the water in her eyes made this feel like a bad dream. She just wanted to start the day over and erase stupid decisions she had made that had led to such a disastrous night. Morgan placed her hands under his jacket so that her skin was touching his. Her hands laid flat on his chest. The beat of his heart was so intense that she breathed to its rhythm, and it soothed her. She hugged him tighter. God, why couldn't this man be hers? Why couldn't he see past his relationship with Ethic, past her age, past her hearing, past this night? He would never admit it, but she was sure her differences scared him. She wanted to be mad at him for that, but she had dealt with it her entire life. People judging her, thinking she was stupid or lacking because she couldn't hear. 
It was frustrating, especially so with Messiah, because she had never wanted something so badly. He steered the bike with one hand as he placed a hand over hers reassuringly. He intertwined his fingers with hers, making a joint fist over his heart, and Morgan sucked in a bated breath. Such a simple gesture made her turn to mush inside. He cares. He can't do stuff like that and not care, she thought. Just as quickly as he did it, he took his hand away, refocusing on the powerful machine they rode. Messiah was selfish with his love in that way, only giving her crumbs that made her want to taste it all. He was holding back and trying to bait him in a jealousy had ended dangerously for her. On the back of his bike, she felt safe. She felt owned as if she was an object to possess, as if she was his most prized and wished she could stay that way. When they pulled into the driveway of a large home, she frowned. This wasn't the house he had taken her to before. It was beautiful, a large family home with a manicured lawn made completely a brick. He cut the engine and they climbed off, removing their helmets. She motioned towards the house with an inquisitive look. This is my crib. Nobody knows about this place. I don't bring anyone here, ever. That's the only way I get to sleep with both eyes closed, he said. Morgan smiled slightly because he trusted her. You can stay here for the night and get yourself together. Text Ethic and let him know you're staying with one of your homegirls tonight, Messiah said. She did as she was told as she followed Messiah inside. The house was beautiful, modern and new. It barely looked lived in at all. I mean, if he's only the if he's the only person who lives there, I can understand why it would barely look lived in. There's a guest bedroom upstairs. There are fresh towels in the bathroom, he said. I'll be back. He's going to kill them niggas. He turned to leave, but Morgan grabbed his hand, turning him back towards her. She shook her head. Stay, she mouthed the words as she signed. Please stay. Morgan could see the blaze in his eyes. She knew where he was headed. She was aware of his reputation, and though she was flattered that he would react on her behalf, she just wanted him there with her. Messiah exhaled, as if it pained him to oblige her. He was the type of nigga who scratched an itch immediately. If he let it linger, it would drive him crazy. He had never learned to tether his aggression. His temper was so hot that once it was ignited, nothing would stop him from exploding. He had a vengeful spirit. Disrespect begot disrespect. He lived by a code that was so G it was hard for others to keep up. And when they slipped, he punished them. He had been waiting for an excuse to lay Lucas down for years anyway. This beef had been cooking for a long time. Slow cooked. Sous vide. Salt, pepper, and garlic. All you need. Sear it before you put it in the bag. 135 degrees 150 if you want it to fall off the bone splendid two hours if it's steak 129 gives you medium rare pan sear it little bit of butter rosemary circling the book circling the book this beef had been coming for a long time Morgan was just a needle that broke the hustlers back isn't it the, the straw? Okay, he was as cold blooded as they came, but for some reason, the sight of Morgan in front of him, trembling as large drops of emotion clung to her long eyelashes, moved him. Don't worry, I'm not going anywhere, he said. Come on. 
He led her to the bathroom where he turned on the shower. Everything you need is under the sink, he offered. You know, all the evidence. Wash it off. Anal. No condom. Vaginally. No condom. We can get them both. The DNA's right. Go get in the shower and clean yourself off, girl. Go wash off. Like, there's a point in time where even me, who I don't like cops at all. I mean, I know one good cop. And I'm not even sure if he's a cop or if he's a dispatcher. But I would call the cops or go to the police if someone was assaulted. Sexual assault, I can't do anything to help with that. She needs therapy and she needs the popo. Not a shower, my nigga. Everything she needs is not under the sink. He pointed and she nodded. When she turned, he noticed blood on the back of her dress. It was like gasoline to his fury. He dug his phone out of his jacket pocket. Meet me in an hour and a half. You know where. He sent the text to Issa, but he was sure his man was already anticipating the play. There was no way Messiah wasn't going to see Lucas tonight. He would make sure Morgan was straight, but as soon as she closed her eyes, he had every intention of committing murder tonight. He gave her privacy and left the room, going into his master bedroom to retrieve something she could sleep in. He didn't entertain women in his home. He didn't trust anyone enough to reveal where he closed his eyes. A bitch will get you murked even quicker than these lame-ass niggas nowadays, he thought. He rifled through his clothes, knowing that there was nothing feminine to find. A t-shirt and hoop shorts I have to do. He went back to the bathroom, but halted as the sound of muffled cries infiltrated the hallway. He felt intrusive, as if he was bearing witness to a moment that wasn't meant for him to see. Messiah didn't know what to do with emotions. It had never been his job to cater to the feelings of another person. He had never wanted the responsibility, because in his mind, he knew he would be no good at it. Defending her honor, he could do, but restoring it felt like a challenge that was meant for a father. She had none. Ethic tried to play the role, but Messiah knew Morgan resisted it every step of the way. He balled his hand, using the knuckle of one finger to rap softly on the door. Again, out of habit, because she couldn't hear him. That was a problem. He didn't know how to be with her. It was so easy to forget that she was deaf. He pushed the door open slightly and peeked his head in coyly, not wanting to pry. He hoped she was decent. He only wanted to help, and if he was honest, he desperately wanted her to stop crying, because hearing her was chipping away at something inside his chest. He hurt with her, as if they shared a connection where one felt the other's torment. It was odd, at least to a man who extended his time and effort at a minimum. This feeling was new. Her cries stopped, suddenly as their eyes met, as if she had been caught being hurt, exposed, being human. She sat on the side of the toilet, the bloody dress still on her. He stepped inside and leaned against the door. He wished he had a mother or a sister who could help him deal with this girl. Morgan, with her vulnerability and her beauty, was knocking at the door inside of him that he kept locked. She was asking him to love her, without saying anything at all, and Messiah didn't want to. But surely, this ache he had on the left side of his chest, behind all the brawn and muscle, 
was love. He crossed the room and got on his knees in front of her as he began to remove her clothes. He started with her jewelry. The diamonds on her neck and wrists were brilliant. Just another accessory that exasperated the girls around the city that were simply not on Morgan's level. She was another breed, a dying class, a vintage version of a model of hustlers' wives that no longer existed. She just didn't know it. She was Justine Atkins' daughter. Her beauty was inherited. If only Morgan knew her worth. Her last name was the reason why Messiah hesitated. Her history was the reason why he respected her. Kendrick had described it best. There was loyalty and royalty inside her DNA. Messiah was undressing a queen, and because of this, he did it respectfully, hoping that she would be able to get herself together enough to finish a job before her beautiful body was exposed. She sat there, however, soft tears falling, head bowed disgracefully as she wrung her fingers nervously. Messiah started with her dress next, rolling it up her smooth skin and pulling it gently over her head as she raised her arms. Her panties were gone and she wore no bra. Messiah reached around her, running warm water into the spa-sized bath that she turned to submerge inside the tub. He washed her, gently, slowly, his strong hands rubbing the knot's attention out of her shoulders as he cleaned her from head to toe. It felt like a privilege, as if he were washing the dirt off the toes of a queen, because she was truly too special to walk through the grudge of the dirt. Actually, it says grudge of the earth, which... Uh, grunge, maybe? I don't know. Morgan was like a goddess, and he was simply mortal. She wasn't supposed to be susceptible to the tangible ails of the streets. She was above them. If she realized that, she wouldn't pursue it. But he knew she was just trying to find a place where she belonged. She was displaced. The only one left standing with her family name. And she was searching for something. She was attracted by the allure of the game. He had to stop her from self-destructing, even if only for tonight. He tried to wash away her tears, his wet finger wiping them, but they were only replaced with new ones. He turned her chin to him, and she looked at him, her bottom lip quivering. I'm sorry. Nobody's going to disrespect you again. I promise. That's my word, he said. Come on, we're done. He let out the water and held open a towel as she stepped out of the tub. Her body glistened. It was the work of art he had always suspected existed beneath her clothes. He felt like not even he should have had the privilege to see it. It only angered him more about the events that had landed her at his house tonight. She tied the towel securely around her body and followed him into the master bedroom. He dressed her and then sat beside her on the edge of his bed. There were so many things he wanted to say to her, but they had an entire language between them. You're going to have to teach me some signs. There are things I can't say because I don't know how. Things I can't understand. I want to be able to. It's important, he said as he stared at her. Morgan nodded, her heart aching for this moment, but realizing it was ruined by everything that had occurred. I can teach you, she signed. He pulled his phone out of his jacket pocket and handed it to her, opening the notes. She typed in the words instead. He nodded, not liking the bruised feeling that existed inside of his chest. It was like he had been hit, and the tenderness that an injury left behind was inside him, consuming him. It was like she held the key, the key that unlocked the cage surrounding his heart. 
She was digging past all the muscle, past his ribs, past all the walls he had formed over the years, determined to touch him on the inside. He didn't like the feeling. Unfamiliar with the way infatuation left the man weak, he only knew that Morgan being around him was a potential problem. He had his choice of the women in the city, and no one made him feel as touchable as this young girl. Morgan affected him, despite his efforts to keep her in the off-limits zone. He stood to his feet. I have to go, he said. There was no more delaying the inevitable, and concern flickered in Morgan's eyes. I have to, he repeated, before she could protest. She knew there was no one stopping it. Her recklessness had set a chain of events in motion that no one would be able to prevent. I'll be back. Try and rest, he said. She watched him walk away, his stride filled with rage and determination. She was flattered. Wars had been sparked over less, but Morgan didn't want Messiah shedding blood on her behalf. She had already lost too much. She couldn't stand the idea of losing him before she even got a chance to know him, fully, to love him, to have him as her own. Unsure of what to do, but knowing that nothing was not an option, she rushed to her phone. Ethic was the only person who could stop Messiah from doing something stupid. Morgan knew that she would be exposing her lies by asking Ethic for help, but she would have to put herself aside to make sure Messiah was okay. See? Fridging a woman. She's going to let Ethic know what happened. Ethic's going to get there and stop Messiah. Messiah's going to tell Ethic what happened, and then the murders will begin. Yeah, I don't... I really don't think it's necessary at this juncture for her to have even involved her, I guess, ethic. Um, I really don't know how to describe him. He adopted her, so legally he's her dad. I know she, I know he's not, but um, he is a father figure in her life. And I just, I don't know. I don't think that she needs to do that. Me neither. But, I mean, honestly, kind of she does because he did get sexually. She's not calling him about the assault if she didn't have to. Like, that's the thing that gets me. I would have wanted to, I would have wanted them to contact me about that so we could have taken care of that. She's only doing it to save Messiah. Because that's a woman's job in this world. 916-633-1537. Wretched and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify. It takes like 13 seconds. You can also leave a review on uh, Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. And then copy and paste that into the Good Pods app. You can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast. One dollar will get you a ton of content. Uh, you can also donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. You can leave a tip in the tip jar. Thank you so much for listening. I greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm going to you later. Peace.
intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by That Kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, did you say?